country, country music. Do you know that Hank Three's son has music out now? No. Hank Should King. I care? I mean, it's not bad. It's not like that. But you also thought Hank Three's stuff was not bad. Well, I liked his first, I'd say, three albums. The rest of it, like, I didn't mind, but it got pretty I don't think I like the rails. Um, It's not as like rebel outlaw like type vibe. It's like it's a little more. I don't even know how to describe it. I'll play for you after. He just goes by four and the strange band. Oh, I have heard of this. I don't know that I've heard any songs. Yeah, I've heard about four. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I just thought it was interesting. Well, let's see if it continues on the Hank quality getting diluted every generation (laughs) down. (laughs) Each Hank is lesser than the previous. <laughs> yeah, I would <laughs> I'd agree with that statement. Yeah. <laughs> it's like when you've been water, watering down that bottle of liquor. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, there's four, I have four siblings and uh, there was this one bottle of amaretto in, in the liquor cabinet and it was a giant bottle and I think I'm the youngest so I think by the time I got around and I was watering, I was basically watering down water. Water, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Amaretto is not amaretto colored anymore. <laughs> What's this white amaretto? Yeah, <laughs> this vodka amaretto. <laughs> Anyways, is there any way we can use Hanks one through four as a segue into today's conversation, or will it just remain as a sound check and we restart? I mean, I, I suppose like it's um, there was something general generational there for each one of them, but. They all, if they all exist, they could all coexist today oh, at today. the same time. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah it's it, actually, that's a good way to put it. So Hank Sr., if he was today, he would very much be in like a revivalist type of. Yeah. He'd be in like the Charlie Crockett. Yeah. Coulter Wall kind of vibe. Yeah. And then I guess Hank Jr. would fall into, I guess it would Outlaw. be. Ish. yeah yeah outlaw yeah because he was he was part of that that scene yeah in a more cursory but real way i mean you could almost flip it and throw him into like the no i guess he's he would be there i don't know where the hell you'd put hank three like i guess i don't even know somewhere in the outliers yeah I mean, maybe this metaphor is falling apart yeah <laughs> so I, I, I get t- the point of today's conversation is to really jump off one uh, we had recently. I don't remember if it was the last one or the one before or whatever it was, but uh, it was on this idea that so many people keep deriding country music, like as if this was five or 10 years ago saying there's no good country music anymore. It, it's old country music is the only thing I like, like forget like what's on the radio. New country sucks. Um, I think, I've been thinking more and more about it since I've been having more of these conversations recently and I'm doubling down into the opposite. And I would say that we are living in the greatest era of country music ever. And you know, when, when and that's a bold statement. It it is a bold statement. When you said this to me, it was one on one of the previous pods, I guess. And, uh, I, I was a bit like, wow, that is, that is a bold statement, but it has been, maybe two weeks since we've recorded that that episode that we talked about it on and i've been thinking about it a lot and i'm I'm coming around to it because when you really hash it out when you really hash it out there's there is something for everybody 
in the genre right now and that that never used to be you used to be you were a country music fan and that was that you liked these artists and beyond that you know there was a wide breadth but they fought they all fell under the same more or less umbrella and like think about like specific eras like if you're like somebody our age who hates everything now but loves Merle or Whalen or Hank Sr. or something, and they point to those eras. Like, if you're pointing to Hank Sr., what else are you really liking around that same time? Like, Ernest Tubb and... Like, Hank Thompson. Hank Thompson, yeah. Uh, Lefty Frizzell, like, in, in that era of stuff. And guys like Roy Acuff. But they weren't the only people on the radio. There would have there would be a lot of what you would consider shit by today's standards, and it wasn't all that awesome. Like Hank Senior was like a standout at the time and was also like an outlier, like pushing this edgy country music at the time that like the traditionalists would have thought was like the youth's crazy music and like more rock and roll inspired uh, than like the more gospel. Um, like roots historic country and western western swing or bluegrass or what have you well the, to the point where he almost had to pivot with like his luke the drifter stuff where it was like his altar like uh, of like more gospely like less edgy you know what i mean like, yeah yeah <laughs> it, well exactly and so um I, I feel like, and if, if you were to talk about uh, like outlaw country being the, like Waylon Jennings and everything, like there's not been any good country. You hear so many people like Whitey Morgan, his band is called the 78s. Do you know why they're called the 78s? Um, it's escaping me. Because he thinks 1978 was the last year of really good country music. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, it makes sense in a sense. I disagree with it. It, it makes but, sense from where it's coming from, but it's yeah, pretty narrow view. And like at the time... Like, yes, there were these epic guys like Waylon Jennings, Merle Haggard, George Jones, and even George Jones was arguably becoming more pop and smoothed out at that time. Willie Nelson, Chris Christopherson, Johnny Cash, et cetera, Hank Jr. But like when you, if you look up the charts from those years, there's so much like Barbara Mandrell, like poppy stuff that nobody would consider legit in the same context. So to say that country music today is worse than it was then or look at those eras as golden country eras you're just putting certain artists on pedestals rather than looking at the whole field and what i think like and i would do that of the 90s like my favorites of all time come from like the 80s and 90s the alan jackson's george Straits, garth brooks brooks and duns but there was still a lot of shit on the radio at that time as well and there is now but what i think we've been kind of digging you're, into you're saying there's a lot of shit on the radio like like bad music is what you're saying right are you saying there was a lot of content and other artists on the radio at that time um i'm i was well both but i was meaning that even in what we look back at as golden eras was not all golden yeah, everything was The involved. artists you hold up on pedestals were still surrounded by not great artists that had like the poppier, not as good, whatever you want to call it. Like yeah. shit, not like whatever. And, and you could look at it in the sense that, it, you know, in those 
Like Five. if you went if you went back to 1994 and you were listening to a whole day of country music, it's not going to be only Garth Brooks, Shania Twain, and Brooks and Dunn. Like, no, but I can I can guarantee you that in any one of those eras, and I was just about to say, if you look behind you, that a whole rack of 500 records behind you, there's some like best of country albums in there from yeah. like whatever era. Yeah, and like how 1978 many times, best of. Yeah, and how many times? is the same artist on there. Like they have like five songs on one of those best of albums. Totally. So it, yeah. it sort of proves your point that, yeah, there was a lot of stuff out there. There's a lot of, of artists and a lot of music, but none of it was really breaking through. So to say that, you know, because these five artists existed at this time, it was the best era of country music. It's like, no, it was solid because there was four or five of them that were f- fantastic. And then a sea of mediocrity. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree. <laughs> there we go. 100% again. Man, I got to stop saying that. It's my, it's my agree with term. Um, I, I think what happened thereafter was like in the 2000s, everything became way extra poppy. Um, like bro country, pop country to the extreme. And an I guess overcorrection. An overcorrection for sure. But I was having a conversation with a friend of mine, my buddy Adam, who used to play bass in our band. Uh, we had a beer together a week or so ago. And um, we we're having this conversation in a, a broader term. And he said something really sharp that I hadn't thought of exactly this way before. He said that in the 1990s, country music became popular. So like the idea of like, well, Alan Jackson, like she's gone country, like everyone's going country, like country became popular. Whereas later in the 2000s, 2010s, um, country became pop music. Well, like, you could say country in the 90s, country became pop. And then you could say now in the 2000s, whatever, country went pop. Yes. Yes. I think that's... That, that, that might be the best way to say it. Yeah. Instead of pop going country. Yeah, no, now, now my brain is breaking. <laughs> yeah. No, it's an apt, it's yeah. an apt metaphor. Yeah. But now I would say we're seeing almost another swing towards country becoming popular again. And not only that, like you see now it's cool with country and mainstream style, like all these models and influencers, everybody's wearing cowboy boots or cowboy hats here and there. It's more, it's back to like a, she's gone country kind of era. Um, but country music, like as we've been talking about for years already on the podcast, um, even though we took a year or so break, um, you see, maybe it's because of the safety that so many of like the initial re trailblazers prove that you can be country on a top 10 track or a number one track. And then that gave way to like the, the Midlands and the John parties and early, Casey Musgraves and other people like proving you don't have to sell out and be entirely poppy to get number ones. You can be full out like neo-traditional, like country, country music and, and kill it on country radio. And I feel like the more artists that see that they're like, Oh, like, Oh, I, Oh, we can do that again. Oh, okay. Well let's, let's get a more pedal steels and fiddles in here rather than snap tracks and eight Oh eight. But it is nice because it's, it's it's paved it's it sounds a bit cliche but it's paved the way for you know a lot more artists that aren't necessarily traditional country but they're doing their own country thing and they haven't had to compromise their sound because it's it's come back around where it's the genre has become so broad and there's so much room 
within the genre for different styles of country music now. Like it's not yeah. just pop country that's popular anymore. Yeah. It's all kinds of different countries. Radio doesn't have the only power anymore. Spotify not. and streaming is, I don't know what the numbers are, but as big or bigger, it certainly isn't paying the same to the artist. But in terms of broad reach, like you don't, you don't need to be on the highway and every single national country radio station to become a big deal. Like look at Zach Bryan. I was just gonna, he, just going to say that. We just talked about him like yeah. last episode. Is is he on any radio? No, but his Spotify is out of control. Yeah. And you, you still probably not making a shit ton of money off of it, but at the show the we shows saw. shows and everything. Oh, yeah. The amount of merch we saw walking around that show. Like, yeah, totally. So, yeah, it's a, it's a new... It's a new format, really, that it's these artists are finding their success. And because of that format, like so many other like uh, so many other subgenres and styles that aren't like pure pop country that had dominated for at least the last ten years, fifteen years on the radio. Um, like I when we were talking about this recently over a beer and just kind of have, philosophizing about the idea. We're talking about how in like 2008, 9, 10, 11, when the Florida Georgia Lines or whoever was dominating the radio and it was mostly pop and bad, there was still good country that existed. People like J.P. Harris, um, Whitey Morgan, etc. But you had to dig to find that. Yeah. You had to know where to go. You had to be part of the social media circles to find it. It was in no way like mainstream conversation. Good, badass, real country existed. We'll go back to our underground country episode. Yeah. However, three years ago we recorded that and that's a perfect example of that where it's, you have to dig. You had to dig to find that stuff. Yeah. And, And now you don't really because of the algorithms. Like if you go and listen to Coulter Wall, whose name is as mainstream as anything, even if his music's not on the mainstream radios, the algorithm is going to feed you into Charlie Crockett, Joshua Headley, um, Whitey Morgan, whatever else afterwards, and you discover all this, and you you like it on its own musical merits rather than um, what the radio tells you or what the new the highway find is yeah. this week with like a new artist, new quote unquote, air quotes with my fingers that has been around for years, but they're now new to the highway. So they're a new artist award. Um, well, and in talking formats, like we, we touched base on this a little bit before too, is like, there's, you know, some cool like YouTube video channels too, like gems yeah. on gems on VHS, Western as fuck, Western as fuck that, you know, they've, I would arguably say they've launched some of these careers, like someone like Sierra Farrell, who's gotten quite popular. I, I think I played her for you earlier, but mm-hmm. Um, even, you know, Coulter Wall was all over that. Um, Riddy Armin, that other song I played for you. Uh, there's a lot of artists that, y- you know, you, you look back on, on like Lost Dog Street Band, like mm-hmm. a, a lot of these, Matt Heckler, I, I could go on and on and on and on, but these, this video format is just so many people, that's their format for listening to music. And it just, that whole algorithm just keeps feeding you artists, from, yeah. you know, from that same vein. And uh, I think it's such a good way for people to discover music now in a way that it's not, you're being fed what your interests are dictating, not what the station decides or the uh, the labels decide is, it needs to be pushed into your face. And what a different world that is. 
Absolutely. And it even can go just by musical association and legitimacy. Like think about um, how much more of, and this isn't only based on musical algorithms, et cetera. It's also like the cultural zeitgeist shifting hugely in the last number of years. But like, look at the LGBT presence in country music these days. Like Jamie Wyatt, Brandy Carlisle, or- Orville Peck, Sarah Shook, like one of the brothers Osborne came out and they're, and people like Marin Morris being like big allies, even though she's not herself, like some of her best friends, like Brandy Carlisle are. And then she gets in big fights with the <laughs> Brittany Aldeans o- over anti-trans issues and everything. Like this wasn't a conversation in country music years ago. And it certainly wasn't um, like a subgenre, and it's like musically, it's not even a subgenre, so I shouldn't say that. But it wasn't like there wasn't a whole crew and section of people who are openly LGBT being celebrated and played and having like great success. Yeah, and it, it's it's obviously yeah, it's not a, a a subgenre. It's I'd call it like an accessibility point or like yeah. a space, you know, to allow you know, someone in that community access to a genre that never would have been a genre that they would have thought because it's been so, uh, you know, uh, where there's a lot of hate and a lot of discrimination and, uh, you know, even stuff like Lil Nas X, which was like, you know, we've talked about that at length, but it's, it's created a space for them. I yeah. guess arguably a safe space that people can access until the Brittany Aldeans come in. Yeah. But it's, and I guess that is inherently what we're talking about in this episode is how how accessible it's become and how many different points there are, yeah. like access points, I guess, for, for people that didn't normally access country music. So to be able to come into it and then you see this stuff happening, like if you're in the LGBTQ community and you're looking at it from the outside and, and seeing, you know, racism and misogyny and that kind of stuff. But then you also see a bright light where it's, Oh, there, there's people fighting for our rights within this scene. And there's really cool artists that I can align with. And that, that to me is, is such a, uh, like such a big shift in the whole genre that, and, and you know, it, it's not just about that, you know, you've got, you know, revivalist stuff where it's people who used to sit there and say, Oh, all, all this stuff on the radio now is all crap. Like I only like the old stuff. Well then, if you only like the old stuff, well, then you've got Charlie Crockett and yeah. you've got Coulter Wall and you've got Summer Dean. Yeah. Stuff like that where you can access it too. And it's all there's, new. There's it's not, new you just don't old. have to go re-listen to old Merle records. Like exactly. it's new old. Yeah. Yeah. And then what's on the radio isn't bad. I, well, better than isn't bad. Like, I don't know what we would call it because I would say it's like the next generation of what Alan Jackson Brooks and Dunn, uh, Garth Brooks were in the 1990s. I'd put George Strait into that as well too. He's as he would have been like the pioneer of that in the early 80s. But they they called it neo traditional country, and this is kind of the same thing, but redone. So almost like 
neo-neo traditional or new neo-traditional. Uh, but <laughs> we're really breaking. We're down really yeah, some we're, genres here. I love we're, it. We're, we're reaching here, <laughs> but like, but how else would you describe like the music of John Party or Midland, Haley Witters, Cody Johnson, Randall King, people like that? Like, they're clearly inspired by these people, and they're coming back into the scene after these like 10, 15 years of like mostly popness on the radio, pop country. And now they're, they're doing the same thing to re-legitimize the mainstream part of the genre that those artists did in the 90s or earlier with George Strait. Well, when George Strait first came out, they were calling it hard country because that's how pop <laughs> shit had went. Further to Whitey Morgan's point of 1978, uh, hey having man, been Strait, the last George Strait's year. so hard. Yeah, yeah. Hard, yeah. hard AF. Yeah, exactly. Um, but so I don't know. I, I think of these guys as kind of the same, same wheelhouse and they're also still doing it. Like George, Alan Jackson, Ronnie Dunn are still putting out records. Side note, we have to talk about Ronnie Dunn's record is like hundred proof neon. Holy fuck. Yeah, we'll sidebar that for, after. okay, we're going to have to come back to that. <laughs> maybe a whole episode on that. Um, I think maybe one of the reasons that it's such a mind fuck for you this like neo neo traditional like going down a rabbit hole and a rabbit hole and a rabbit holes yeah because i think like 90s country was your like mm-hmm. that was your genre right so to see it coming back it's kind of like whoa what's happening which uh, yeah w- that's a fair point which maybe you see me enjoying that in the same way i see you enjoying coulter wall and everything in the more revivalist zone that you and also outlaw that was really your starting place of country music yeah and i mean as i'm sure everyone i, I don't know that everyone's listened sequentially to our episodes but you know the, you could see the theme that andrew's fully got me more into like 90s country and i i think i've dragged you a little bit into the stuff that Mm -hmm. i was listening to at the very start because we were pretty far from um musical tastes at at the start when we started this podcast we covered the whole genre but we crossed over very little yeah (laughs) and now it's like we covered the whole genre and we cross over yeah um a lot and i i guess my my point was just to say that it's like this i've almost started liking the neo neo at the same time that I started liking the Neo, you know, it's like, Oh yeah. So, so you, you, so, okay. So from someone kind of from the outside learning it sort of all at once, how, how do you compare, uh, the Midlands and John parties to the Alan Jackson's and Brooks and Dunn's? It's, I, I see them like the, the Neo Neo, if we're calling it that. So the John parties in the Midlands will just simplify it is, like just a really well-written love letter, you know, to, to that era, to that era. Yeah. And, and I find it, it is so cool to look at it from, I, I'll call it looking at, looking at it from the outside as someone who didn't, you know, I, the country that I listened to when I was younger was a little bit, I guess, older, like nineties. I'm, I'm slightly older than you. So it was like nineties was more of, I was a little more into like grunge and stuff like that. Yeah. Still listening to. Like, oh, I was into all that at the same time. Too, yeah, but. I just was never. Nineties country was never a big, a yeah, big vibe for me. Factor for you. But looking at it now from the outside and knowing that, like, I do, like, I love nineties country, and but it's something that I rediscovered in my in my old yeah. age, and then seeing these newer newer artists paying tribute to it. But it's not just 
I, I almost I didn't want to say that. I didn't want to say paying tribute because that almost cheapens what they're doing. Um, but I, I think I I couldn't say to couldn't have said it better than the way I said it earlier. But it being a very well written love letter, yeah. it's just yeah, that's there's good throwbacks quote. there, but they're doing their own thing. Yeah, and I think that's really cool. And it's just it's their own new version of that that like pays a good tribute but is like updated sonically and it, like it doesn't sound like it's from the 90s yeah musically well instrumentally in some cases it does like with the with the steels and the telecasters and the fiddles to a degree but i feel like it's updated i i will say in production i will say though that some of the like revivalist stuff that we've mentioned i i do find it a bit derivative boring like it's it's too much like you're just trying to redo what's already been done. Like, Without blazing it in your own direction as well? Yeah. Like, listen, I, I love Charlie Crockett, but I can't listen to him all day. Like, it's, you know, it, it's very much like he's amazing at what he does, but I would, you know, like yeah, to yeah. see something a little more, I don't know, his, yeah. his own, I guess. And I, I have, oh, we've had this talk about Coulter Wall. We don't need to revisit it, but <laughs> just that. I liked his very, very early on stuff because he was, it was his own sound. And now that he's moving into this very like Western, like really, because I would waltzy, like rancher stuff, I'm like, I would, okay, like this is boring as shit to me. Like, I would say the opposite. I know we've had this, yeah, I'm pretty sure we've had this on air before, but I don't know if to this extent because yeah. we or early on we talked about it. Like, I thought he was just an old man, like end of life like American highways <laughs> yeah. era, Johnny cash impersonator yeah. as like a 22 year old kid, like just trying to say it like in that super low register, like old man, Johnny cash. And, and you love that. I didn't, I found it kind of, well, yes, it was good. So I, I did like it, but there was part of me that was like, okay, like you're clearly just like trying to be old Johnny cash and where he's evolved to, I feel like has went away from what you originally liked about him. But for me, I feel like he's becoming more of his own self, his own sound, his own writing um, that isn't trying to kind of be that mold of maybe, and we're entirely guessing here. We've not talked to him and don't know this or read interviews or anything about this, but I, I'm, I'm guessing like when, when you're young and impressionable and you're listening to everything, you kind of want to emulate it. And I feel like of that era and that age, he was probably listening to a lot of Johnny Cash and could do that sound with his voice and like made up his own great songs like that. But now further to your point, I feel like he's becoming, I don't know, something different, more of, more of his himself. He's definitely evolved his sound or I guess, change to sound i just i don't know that i don't know i just don't know that it was my like my favorite favorite like i i I know what you're saying about his early on stuff but i felt like lyrically and like content wise for those songs it was a little darker or like a lot darker and you're a big fan of that yeah and so i don't know that it was sure his voice sounded like johnny cash but i just think you know to just move on to writing songs Almost You're primarily a for a good murder ballad. I definitely am, <laughs> and to just move on to writing songs primarily about like ranching and stuff, I was kind of like, okay, well, there's nothing in this for me. Like, yeah, it's not super relatable. But I, I did. We won't. His song to- with Summer Dean, though. Like, I, I feel like that is lucky. She's lonely. Yeah, that I, is. I a feel like damn his good song. Tout de Gras. Like yeah. that's his best ever. Yeah, that is a good song. I, I stumble across a cool 
uh, thing when I was reading some stuff about Coulter Wall today. Um, just off this article on the just gram- randomly, gra- no, as you do on no, your it, daily Coulter Wall feed. No, it was through. hilarious because we were having this whole preamble conversation about this, and then and an article just came across my news feed from. I'm listening, but how's your beer? Uh, my, I got a full one right here, okay. but you're welcome to. I'll ramble while you do. You this. ramble, yeah. I'll brb. <laughs> brb. WB? Uh, Do you know what that yes, means? <laughs> um, so, yeah, this article came across my news feed that came out yesterday, and it's from the Grammys website. And uh, it was called Country and Western's New Generation is Defiantly of the Moment. Country and Western's New Generation is Defiantly of the Moment. Meet Charlie Crockett, Coulter Wall, Sierra Farrell, Bella White, and others. I would hate to be in that others category, but um, but it was it was cool to see. Look into the article and see who are the end others. Well, it was uh, Vincent Neil Emerson was on oh, there. Riddy that's Ar- a for sure end others. Riddy Arman was on there, which I thought was pretty cool because she's fairly new-ish. Um, but the cool thing that I came across, now i got to try and find the part of the article again, uh, about Coulter Wall was that he was playing uh, in 2016. He was 21 years old. And he was playing an installment of the Skyline Live series in Nashville. I don't really know what that is. But at any rate, he earned a standing ovation from those in attendance, which included Steve Earle and Emmylou Harris. After the show, Harris encountered Wall and asked him in awe, where do you come from? Those present... Uh, Manitoba. (laughs) You're close. So those present weren't sure if she meant geographically or something of a more (laughs) ethereal, spiritual nature. A man of few words... Wall answered either interpretation of the inquiry by simply saying, Canada. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, 21 years old. Like, do you imagine that? Like, (laughs) yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And the point of talking about that article too, is just that, that it's hitting the the Grammys, like official website. They're putting out articles with talking about artists like this. It's, it's so cool to me to just, to see that, that, this is underground. Well, I guess it's not really underground anymore, but um, it, it's like we said that there's all these different access points now for people that are, are interested in like, if so, if you're more traditional, if you're more into this vibe, it's like, well, country music is just not all about pop now. It's not yeah. all about this, not all about that. It's like, so if we look at it from the perspective of the people saying these things that we think is untrue being like, there's no good country music anymore. Country radio sucks, etc a good chunk of what they're talking about and a good chunk of what is on the top 40 still would be maybe what we would call like, excuse me, maybe what we would call like pure pop country. And that would be like the Walker Hayes, Sam Hunts, Carrie Underwoods, Kelsey Ballerini, Dan and Shay, this type of thing. Um, Sure. Criticisms there. That is what it is. That's the pop pure pop country of the day. No, no defenses. Not talking about that. No, unabashedly, this is, unabashedly, it is, what, it is, is. what it is. Yep. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, on and the you radio, don't have to like it. And you don't have to like it. And generally, we don't. Um, there was one time I kind of liked that one Sam Hunt song for that one summer. <laughs> and it's still kind of okay every so often. But otherwise, all bets are off. Um, but at the same time, on the same top 40 <laughs> charts, in the same top 10s, in the same top 5s, are John Party, Midland, Haley Witters, Luke Combs, Cody Johnson, like these guys are, and girls are 
amazing and they're as we were saying earlier like the new incarnations of like the 90s superstars and they're just getting started they're bringing back that vibe and also not quite in that neo-traditional sense but i don't even know what we would call them like something that's not pure pop country but still like legit and good is like morgan wallen and hardy and like even though we have issues with Morgan Wallen's behavior and a lot of controversial things about him, like speaking on a purely musical sense, like Morgan Wallen, Hardy, which also we have some musical issues with, but he and all of that, like we should do a whole episode and just like break down like his new sound, but he's got a whole bunch of songs that are amazing. You look like you're about to say something. No, I just, I, I, I agree with you. I'm like, uh, almost kind of baffled as to why I even like some of the Hardy stuff. Yeah, and I need to, I need to unpack that. Yeah, figure Not out right why. now, but yeah, <laughs> let's let's earmark that for another episode. Yeah. But even like new guys like Trey Landon and Ray Fulcher and Ernest. Well, Ernest I think would fall into a more neo traditional sense than his buddies Hardy and Morgan Wallen. But there's all of that on the radio as well, too. And then if you veer away from the radio and into Spotify, you're going to find all your kind of new outlaw stuff of Sturgill Simpson, Tyler Childers, Margot Price, Whitey Morgan, J.P. Harris. Like, who who else you got? This is more your wheelhouse than mine. Well, I mean, I think you you nailed most of it, and it's it's taken on... Most of the major names. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, I, I guess to speak on that, it's that it's funny because it's outlaws like that term was thrown around like no one used that term back in the day to to name them to call themselves that you know like i mean it was almost except that they did there was a record they called themselves that on well it was very tongue-in-cheek but (laughs) um you know it was it it was uh not something that they i I also had that lyric like this outlaw thing done get out of hand got out of hand yeah. yeah Because it was, yeah, it was tongue in cheek and they were named that. But what I was saying to you earlier about, not on the podcast when we were chatting earlier, but but about someone like Sturgill Simpson or Tyler Childers, Marco Price, they're outlaw now. Like, I feel like they're truly outlaw in the sense that if you're looking at it in terms of the music business, yeah. that they're like, fuck the genre. I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. And they're it, not entirely beholden to radios and no. uh, record labels. And, and yeah. Like I'm going to, you know, put out a weird anime rock album. I love, you know, yeah. like Sturgill Simpson did or, or anime rock, <laughs> anime psychedelic rock album. <laughs> yeah. Or, or, you know, Tyler Childers, like I, I think his next album is going to be a gospel album. Yeah. And uh, he's, you know, put out a lot of different stuff. Imagine and... a major artist in the 90s trying to do that. Like, <laughs> I know Alan Jackson did that, but that was later in his years in the 2000s. But, like, it yeah. would just been a hard... No. Yeah. No, no, no. absolutely not. Yeah. <laughs> you'll, you'll listen to us and no, you won't. Yeah. Or you're losing your contract. A hundred percent. And now they can just do it because, like, they're not that beholden. No. Especially when you're talking about, like, what we would maybe talk about more in a revivalist type of artist that we've just talked about like the Coulter Walls, the Summer Deans, the Charlie Crockett's like their bread and butter is being different from what is expected in mainstream country. I I guess and that's a bit of a mindfuck unto itself because their traditionalism is their difference. Yeah. <laughs> And you're kind of like it's like making you twitch, right? Yeah. Cuz you're like and they're well, old school traditionalism in the sense. Yeah. Yeah. 
that that because they're and, even like sonically because even if we're going to say that people like the way you phrased it like john party midlands etc is like a really good love letter to the 90s it's a love letter but it's not a parody of because no. it's still it still sounds like a 2022 song like it has like modern production modern sonic elements to it but it carries like the songwriting quality and the instrumentation of fiddles pedal steels telecasters with b benders and everything so it's like a, a great as you say love letter to it whereas like the revivalist they'd be looking for those old microphones that have that more kind of lo-fi sound to them and having that kind of twangy jug band old lesser recording um production quality yeah as part of the aesthetic like purposely well and i to, just to jump back to what you're saying is those artists not becoming like a parody of it it's like that's an extremely extremely important differentiation to make is that that's not what they're doing you know they're sure there there's there's some hat tipping or, or whatever Wait, which the neo like the 90s like yeah the current like the john parties yeah, yeah okay and i think that's extremely important to note because they're they're doing their own thing they're making the sound their own they're just tipping their hat to it you know and maybe some of it, it sounds very similar but it's not a parody and and that's important and then the, the next point i was going to make is within the revivalist scene you know i i think yeah some of it may be pretty derivative and maybe almost parody like um but i think you know you take someone like sierra farrell who's she's got a lot of throwback vibes but also she is really paving her own way there's like elements of like jazz and stuff in her music mm -hmm. and it's it's such is almost a willie nelson kind of direction yeah and it's very well written songs and it's you know, she can take a complete left turn and, you know, you can listen to her album and you could probably classify, take five different songs and say yeah. they're five different genres. Yeah. Um, but it's still, it's still, it's rooted in, but it's not a parody of, I, yeah. I guess. And, and I, I like to see that. And, and again, I'm, I'm not shitting on Charlie Crockett. I, I think he's fantastic. Um, but I, I think there's, there's a way to move forward, you know, from, you don't have to always stay so hard rooted in, in and what you're trying to, uh, you know, I guess revive. Mm -hmm. You you have to move it forward a bit. But uh, then Another again, guy that Charlie Crock is selling out shows. So who the fuck am I to say shit about? Well, someone else that might fit into that revivalist category that is very much that old school sound and sonically production wise, but seems to have some kind of more modern verb that I can't quite put my finger on uh, is Jesse Daniel, like. I, I really like his stuff as well, too. Yeah, I and agree. Like, I don't know. Like, I feel like he would be somewhat... Like, he's not on the radio, so he doesn't get, like, that same kind of more mainstream... Um, of the 35 subgenres we just made up, I don't even know where we'd put him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, like, we are in no means trying to, like, categorize everybody in. But just now, when, we're, when you were saying that, I just thought of him. And, like, he's freaking awesome. Um and we haven't talked about him at all on, on this one or I don't know that we must have a couple of years ago. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Early on, I think more in the underground one, but, uh, yeah, so, someone like that will then throw you for a loop. I guess that all just goes to the point of there's something for everyone. And I don't think that there was ever, and th this is our point today is I don't think there is ever an era in country music where there was so much 
um, variety for everyone within the whole tent of country music in, in terms of musical styles, but also, as we were saying, with LGBTQ and everything inclusivity, that is, is country music's the best it's ever been. And, and that is, that's such a great point because it's, the argument used to be like, call it, I don't know, three, four years ago, like call it one where there was underground or there was pop country. Those were the two sides of it. Yeah. And all you could ever say is like, if someone didn't like pop country, you could be like, okay, well you got to dig a little bit. And it's like, yeah. well, I don't want to dig. Yeah. Like, how am I going to, I don't even know how to dig. Like, yeah. you know, at this point, a lot of people weren't that savvy with finding music. Now, any anyone who says, well, I don't like this side of... Unless they just purely 100% don't like any country music in any way, shape, or form, that's ha- that happens. Yep. I get that. Um, but, you know, it could be like, well, I don't like the really traditional stuff, and, or I don't like pop. It's like, well, find something a little more middle of the road. Oh, you like 90s, but there's nothing new? Yes, there is. Yeah, you know, it's exactly. Like, at any point, oh, well, you know, it's, it's full of racists and misogynists. No, it's not. Like, it, yeah. I mean, yes, it is. Yeah. But there's, I can steer you in this direction if you thoroughly enjoy country music and you want to support something that's not against your beliefs. Like, yeah. There's just so many different paths you can take. And uh, I, I think that's, you know, you're right. This is the whole point of what we're talking about is the accessibility. And we want to give all of our listeners, all of you lunatic country music people, <laughs> ways to, you know, I- integrate people in your lives who don't like country music and convince them to like it. Yeah. There's a little something for everyone. We'll make, we're going to start making more playlists again um, to, so you don't just have to, kind of write down and Google what we're talking about. Yeah, we'll make one for this episode for sure. Yeah. Just a, a mass, like, it doesn't have to be split up by all the subgenres we talked about. We'll just make one big playlist for this one. Well, maybe I'll redo my playlist I was telling you about that I, what was one of the starting points as a thought for this episode was earlier this year, uh, my, my buddy from Montreal, uh, restaurateur from Montreal who, found out i mentioned this on earlier podcast uh was uh saying exactly this that there's no good country music anymore the the genre needed charlie crockett and i was like the genre did not need charlie crockett like we're thankful he's there but like let's not pretend he's like the lone savior of country music right now so i made uh, a, a a playlist called not all new country sucks yeah and just started adding these type of things And i think that was maybe like the the nexus point of thinking about this like oh actually you know what we not only does not all new country suck but we might be in the best era of country music ever right now yeah we'll put this playlist out and we'll uh you share it with everybody in your life that says they don't like country music (laughs) i'll drink to that i'll drink to that Cheers, cheers bud Country, country music.